for a special Christmas edition of the Beyond Speaking podcast. We have a repeat for you, and the reason is, is because we are actually going to have give ourselves a vacation. We haven't had a vacation in weeks. And so uh, for Eric and I, Eric is our producer. He's the actual, actual person who does everything for the show. He has to leave this in. You're not allowed to edit this out, Eric. Uh, for this week. Eric does a tremendous amount of work. but um, So we are taking this off. So we are encouraging you, the listener, to, to after you listen to this and several other podcasts, go and binge watch The Office. And to do that, we're going to have this uh, reissue this podcast of Andy Buckley, a.k.a. David Wallace, Dunder Mifflin CFO. They're talking about launching another office. You need to get back into the office spirit of things. So listen to this here, all behind, all kinds of behind-the-scenes things with the office. Enjoy. Have a great Christmas and New Year's, and we'll catch you back next year. So, I mean, if it came up, it came up. I, was, I wouldn't necessarily lead with it because nobody really wants an, 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 a, yeah. wait, an actor's in charge of my money? What? <laughs> you know, that'd be terrifying. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord. Well, the moral of the story is take your 10-year-old son to lose. This is not a race. This is war. Hey, it's Mikey from the Goonies. A podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on the show today, we have actor Andy Buckley from The Office as he shares his story of landing the role of David Wallace, balancing life as a real-life financial advisor at Merrill Lynch while being the CFO of the fictional Dunder Mifflin, and the joy of getting 10-second parts in movies. Andy Buckley is a really nice, really interesting guy. I didn't find this out until after we'd done the interview, but he actually also, in addition to all the other things we're talking about, like a financial advisor, uh, actor in movies and TV and everything else, but he actually used to be like the heartthrob guy in a bunch of music videos. So he's like on a horse riding along a beach. It's like everything from like the Old Spice commercial. Like that's him, which is kind of funny because he's such, in real life, he's just kind of this super nice, like happy guy. And then he plays like this really cool guy in all these music videos. So it's kind of fun that he's got that, uh, he's got a lot of rage. And uh, so anyway, he was here in Nashville uh, to play the sheriff in a horror movie they were shooting here. And he was nice enough to stop by, hang out at the office and do this interview. So a lot of people with real jobs, they see an actor on a TV show or a movie, and they're like, you know, I could totally do that. But he's actually one of those guys, somebody who was a real financial advisor at Merrill Lynch, and then he would go off and kind of like reverse Clark Kent, would put on these glasses and become an actor that millions of people would see every week. So I asked him, were you an actor who then worked at Merrill Lynch, or were you working at ML and acting was your fallback? I uh, No, I, I tried to act. It, uh... <laughs> I uh, you know, fell in love with acting in high school and did it in college, and I was a golfer in college and uh, in, in high school and, and was, you know, actually went to Stanford to play golf and, and played golf there my first year and a half. I was, you know, I, I'm rusty. I don't get to play as much, but uh, it's certain I love it. But yeah, uh, and so I started doing plays there, moved to New York uh, after college, moved out to L.A. after uh, a couple of years in New York of studying and uh didn't really get hired very much for the next seven to nine years, and uh, and I gotta I gotta I gotta come up with something else. This like apparently is not happening, and um, kind of stumbled into to Merrill Lynch, and 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 uh, I, I didn't have a huge background in it, but they uh, they were kind enough to give me a shot and hire me, and uh, yeah, so I was I started there in uh, two thousand one uh, as a as an advisor and. Uh, hadn't stopped acting. It was five years into doing that when I got my lucky fluke phone call um, to be on the office from uh, the woman who cast the show, which is a, which is a crazy story. So, um, I mean, it's a lucky fluke story, I guess. And it's a lot of it, 
it's odd. It's that sort of opportunity, you know, success, opportunity meets preparation and everything. When I was uh, actually seeking out acting jobs in in uh, you know my twenties, I guess I wasn't really going about it the same uh, the proper way, and it was like the job was too important. It's like that whole thing you go in on a job interview, and if you're just a little too desperate, you're done. Yeah. With you should just you should just not go in. And I think uh, that was me on ninety nine percent of my auditions, and uh, sadly, but um, but it was so, so. Then I sort of changed everything up and. Uh, was had been at Merrill Lynch and was got married and we had our first son and and uh, my wife is an actual is an acting coach is a pretty sought after acting coach and has got some pretty big uh, clients and and whatnot and uh, but she had started uh, this class uh, that she was teaching and uh, it was her first class and and uh, she only had uh, like seven people and I said well here I'll, I'll come I'll be the eighth and you can have equal scene partners and four and four and. Blah, blah, blah. She just got started. And uh, so it's funny. It was during that. That was in, say, 2005. That, and I kind of rediscovered my love of acting and all that. But I was still, I mean, I was at clients and building my business and everything else uh, there in, uh, in Century City. And um, I bumped into the woman, Allison Jones, who was, uh, who was the casting director for The Office, who was kind of one of my, you know, one or two fans, if you will, when I was actually trying to do it. And She's like, well, give me your card, Buckley, just in case. Yeah, you, you never know. Something may come up. It might be fun for you to do. And I said, yeah, I mean, okay, great. And, um, and that was in October of 05. And then she called me four months later in January. She said, I can't believe I found your card. It was at the bottom of the, like, the file cabinet. But you should come audition for this. I think you might be the right guy. I think they'll, they'll like that you're a financial guy. He's the CFO. And do you watch The Office? Said, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love The Office. He's like, well, you should come. It's a couple of scenes with Steve. It'll it'll be fun. So I go about it completely differently. I'm not desperate. I'm not needy. It's like, ah, it'll be fun, and I'm excited about the acting of it. That you know, that being kind of the key and the choices you make and all that acting talk stuff. But I was excited about that. But meanwhile, I get to the audition. I'm sitting in the audition, and there's ten other guys. And I was like, oh man, that guy's been on like a million. They're gonna hire him. What am I doing here? And all the negative voices that that you know go through your head. Um, which luckily I was sort of able to say, ah, that, none of that matters. You're just here to act. It'll be fun. You got to get back there. You know, you got to, Dr. Wilson's coming in at three anyway. You got to prepare his municipal bond portfolio. <laughs> and um, so it was, so it was funny. I went in and didn't need the job and was just excited about the actual doing of the, the acting, uh, if you will. And, uh, and they hired me. It was, you know, it was great, but it was, it, which was a blast of course. And, uh, uh, but it was that was it. It was one day in the end of January in 2006, and that was that. And it aired, and it was fun, and it was cool, and, and the whole bit. But it, the next 364 days, I was <laughs> you know an advisor at Merrill Lynch still, actually for the next six years. Did, is there like a, a specific point where you felt like it was the most fun you had? Was there a specific scene or a specific episode where it was the most fun or kind of the craziest time? Uh, I mean, I, I guess the most fun uh, for the for the big office fans is when Wallace gets fired and he kind of snaps and he's just hanging around at home, um, <laughs> sitting in the hot tub drinking uh, a, a beer with Steve, who comes to visit with Michael with Michael Scott, um, and he comes up with the ridiculous idea of the of the suck it, you know, the the, the vacuum for teenagers. Uh, which, you know, they later brought a couple of years back that I sold for 30 million bucks. And so I was able to buy back the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty crazy day. And then we ended up, you know, closing the episode out, playing the piano. And the now, right. do you actually play? Uh, I know. I know. Uh, it's funny. I know six chords and <laughs> I'm just playing the same, you know, 
six chords as we as we do that, and I'm not a singer, but oh my god, it was a blast! <laughs> it was a blast, and the uh, and that, that whole storyline I think came from the the guy who created the show here in the states, Greg Daniels, his son who plays my son mm-hmm. in the show. I think he was a drummer, and I think he was just driving his father crazy playing the drums all the time, and I think that's kind of where that probably came from. Um, I went back and I was watching the Golden Ticket episode, which is one where Michael comes up with this uh, <laughs> marketing idea for, um, you know, like a Willy Wonka thing, and all five of the uh, coupons go to the same client. It's their biggest client, so suddenly their biggest client has a 50, <laughs> and there's no limit on it. So it's a 50% off because it was 10% off per per coupon. And so <laughs> he's panicked, um, blames Dwight, and then it turns out great, so Dwight's then the hero. Um, that was a ton of, that was one of the first uh, episodes I was actually spent a ton of time mm-hmm. in the branch with everybody. I guess that and then the, the Super Bowl episode where uh, Dwight sets the fire. Um, <laughs> and I have to call, call Steve into, uh, you know, into New York. What was the creative process like with that? Like it, when you go, like, it, was there a lot of freedom for you or for others? Or did it kind of depend on the cast member? Or, or what's the sort of how things get created or get done on set? <clears throat> they were, uh, you know, it's funny. Yeah, but people, a lot, a lot of times, one of the biggest questions is people say, hey, how much of that was improvised? And it's kind of crazy. About 95% of it uh, was written, was written. Oh, okay, it was written. Yeah, so it's mostly written, and they just make it seem like it's improvised, which is, which is wild. And occasionally they'll come up with, in the rehearsal of the scene when they're setting the cameras up, all right, let's just run through it someone will come up with something different that, you know, it's generally it's Steve or Rain or one of the, one of the main people. I, I was always reluctant to, not that I, and I probably, you know, I didn't necessarily think I had anything funny to, to add, but um, I was always kind of just keeping my head low, happy to be there. Like, this is great. This is fantastic. I can't believe I'm here. I could be, at, I could be back at my Merrill Lynch office, like getting yelled at because I, you know, now did your clients, like your actual clients at Merrill Lynch, what did they think of it? Did you did they bring it up a lot, or did you get new clients because of, hey, I want David Wallace as my? Well, it's that's kind of a funny thing, and and uh, I I actually purposely wasn't talking to anybody at the office at the show about stock market stuff because I didn't want them thinking I'm looking for clients. I I, I wanted I just wanted them to keep having me back as David Wallace. Like, guys, I want to, I would rather be here than, than there. So, um, and then with clients or potential clients, I mean, if it came up, it came up. I was, I wouldn't necessarily lead with it because nobody really wants an, 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 yeah. wait, an actor's in charge of my money. What? <laughs> you know, that'd be terrifying. And the people in my office just thought it was kind of cool. You know, like yeah. the younger guys in the office, like, man, you're on that show. How cool is that? I know. When we've been walking around here, they're like, I, I haven't seen The Office, but man, I've seen that guy in Bridesmaids. How did you end up on that movie? Because I know you talked, you actually have a really long history with some of the some of the people. Yeah, it was. Um, I ended up in it because Paul Feig, uh, who who directed that, uh, he had, he had actually directed a bunch of Office episodes, and for a whole year, he was the main producer on the show, um, the on set producer, and it happened to be the year I was on it the most, so I got to know him uh, fairly well. It was the year that we shut down the Buffalo branch for you, for you super fans at home during the company picnic episode. Um, so, so Allison Jones uh, cast it, and so Paul would, uh, he, you know, he would tries to use her, I'm sure, for every, everything he does, um, movie or, or new shows that he's making. And, uh, and it was just, it was great. I mean, this, this is the fun phone call to get, hey, Buckley, you know, look, uh, 
we want you to do this part. It's, you know, you're not really, you're around for, you'll get to be around for a couple of weeks. You're not really doing what you're just kind of standing there. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. You're kidding me. And, and it was, yeah, Kristen Wiig and, um, and Maya Rudolph and, uh, and Melissa McCarthy, who not a lot of people knew Gilmore girl fans, maybe knew who she was, uh, by then, Sookie. but Sookie, there, there you go. You, go. So you yeah. know your stuff. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was, I, like I had known her for 20 years. We were in a comedy group together and, and, uh, out of this, uh, improv place, the groundlings, which is a big place that a lot of people come from, um, for forever for, from Phil Hartman to Will Farrell and, um, who I eventually got to do a couple movies with, which was great. And, uh, which is, you know, he's obviously a fun guy. Yeah. And, um, but so, uh, yeah, and we, I mean, it was crazy. This improv group, it was Melissa and me and Melissa's husband, Ben, uh, they weren't married then, but then Dax Shepard, who's been in a million things and Nat Faxon, who's, um, been in a million things and won an Oscar for writing the descendants. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, and it was funny back then cause, uh, when, when, uh, she was on the Gilmore girls and Dax was on something and Nat was on this show and, and, uh, and I'm. Like Merrill Lynch. And like, <laughs> okay, all right. Keep your head down, Buckley. Just keep working. Keep working. <laughs> keep working. And then you know, luckily, Allison Jones, who who so uh, is the woman who uh, called me for the for the office. She was she's the one that called me for bridesmaid. And it's crazy that whole notion of just hey, if you just have one or two people. I mean, Allison's she so she was fantastic enough to uh, call me for the office. Um, and then, but then she put me in the other guys, which is this movie with Will and, and Mark Wahlberg and a million and Michael Keaton and, you know, The Rock and Sam Jackson and Ava Man. I mean, it's crazy. That was just a, that was a really fun place to be. And that I've funny story about that. So she, so I'm in it and we filmed that in New York. And so I'm heavily, like I have a, an actual business. Like I, I hadn't gotten partners yet, uh, at Merrill Lynch, which I, I did kind of soon after that. So I only worked about two days a week. So the other three days a week, I'd go into the Rockefeller Center office and I'd find an empty desk or, you know, cubicle or, or whatever, you know, anything that I could just sit and, uh, and work. And it's just if I'm calling my clients back in California and, okay, here's what we're doing. And all, I'm, all I want to do is say, you know what I got to do yesterday? <laughs> I was with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell and I'm, we're doing, the, you know, and Michael Keaton, we're doing this scene. But I didn't say that because they don't care. The, client, the clients didn't want. They just wanted to know if they're, they got the right, you know, price for their stock. When you go and do events, uh, you know, when you're doing the corporate events, um, what are kind of the favorite things you'd like to do? I know MC. We've been doing like Q and A. I, I know that people love when you do a Q and A there. But what when you go do in a corporate event? What are the main things that you like to do? What I specifically what I love to do is yeah, the Q and A is always great. Um, but then just meeting people, talking to people afterwards. Obviously, you know. I, I always make phone calls to their kids. Hey, my kid's a huge fan. He goes to, you know, he's at some college or he's in high school or whatever. He's, you know, or making, you know, making videos for them and telling them they're hired at Dunder Mifflin. You know, if they need a job, call David Wallace, um, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's the fun. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. You know, I, I have fun with it. So, you know, I'm not the, I certainly am not the guy that comes out, talks, goes back in whatever room he gets to go back in. I mean, I, I like being amongst the people. When you do uh, MC work, do you work with the client ahead of time or, or what's kind of your process there when you MC an event? It's, yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I uh, so I'll talk to the client and find out what the whole main purpose of the event is. And, and, and if possible, I'll try and find out some inside jokes about whether it's the head of the company, what, what do people tease him about or what would, or, or, other, you know, big people at the company. 
I, I always show a few clips from the office. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's certainly a, because I start with that just certainly puts people in a funny mood. Yeah. Um, there's a one specific one that I start tend to start off with, which is just me and Steve and we're sitting and I'm trying to figure out how his branch is just doing great. And all the other branches <laughs> are having trouble. And he just starts rambling for two minutes and he just doesn't give me an answer, but he just keeps saying, David, you know, here's the thing. And, uh, and then it's just, it's, you just hear the people just slowly start to laugh and laugh and laugh. And by the end, everyone's laughing. And, and then um, if like in uh, a recent one, there was a, something about uh, marketing. Um, so I kind of showed this golden, the golden ticket episode that I mentioned, because that was all about marketing. And it was sort of a joke, like, here's perhaps not the best way to, to market. <laughs> uh, a good idea gone wrong. Thanks again to Andy Buckley. And thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher. To learn more about Andy Buckley and others, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING to make speaking was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of D. & Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the muy profundo Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Yount, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast.